What's up, everybody? I'm Janelia Espinal. Welcome to Financially Inclined from Marketplace. We're sharing money lessons for living life your own way. I've got a confession to make. I'm over 30 years old and I still don't have my driver's license. I know, I know. But look, I grew up in New York City and I just took the subway everywhere. But now I'm working on getting one. And while I do that, I'm also trying to figure out how to even buy my first car. There are so many options out there. It's actually kind of overwhelming. Now, I was curious about what kind of car some of you would get if you could get any car you wanted. And thankfully, you all pulled through. You submitted videos from all over the country. And here's what you had to say. I want a green Kia Soul because they're super cute and very fast and efficient. It would be a Prius because it's eco-friendly and it has good gas mileage. Porsche Cayenne. King Ranch F250 2018. The Rolls Royce. 2021 Tesla Model 3. BMW Series 3. 2011 GMC Sierra Truck. Tesla Model 3. It's a Honda CRV. BMW Series 3. Tesla Model S. My dream car is a Passola. An orange McLaren. Lamborghini Viva. Lamborghini yours, uh, a green one specifically. Okay, when it comes to getting your first car, maybe a Lamborghini is a little bit out of the budget. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't buy something that you really love. So in this episode, we're getting into the nitty gritty of car buying with Matt Hardigree. Matt is a journalist and a car expert. And I'm pretty sure he loves cars more than anyone I've ever met. So let's get into it. So I am a longtime automotive journalist, and so I've you know driven everything from Bugattis to Peugeots in France to you know Ferraris, whatever. If you can think of it, I've probably driven it, um, old and new. And I've written about cars as a reporter. I've been an editor. Uh, I've been a filmmaker. I've made TV shows about cars. Uh, I made a movie about cars, and it's just fun. So it's just it's you know inadvertently kind of became a passion in my life and became my career, which is really wonderful. That's really cool. Okay, so is there a list of things that you must consider no matter what when you're buying your first car and what would be on that list? Absolutely. When you love cars, people will ask you all the time what they should buy. And the questions I always ask are, do you have enough money to buy new or used? Which will definitely tell you what kind of car you should buy. And do you have a very specific need? Like I'm going to deliver pizzas. Or do you just have a specific want? Like I've always wanted a blue car. And that's going to really help you decide how you should think about researching and picking a car. So let's talk about the hardest one of these, which is you you need a car. You don't have that much money for a car. Yes, that's a reality for a lot of young people today who want a car. Find out what are the kind of cars that I like, but how how do they perform? How reliable are they? This information is easy to find on the internet right now. You can always go to Consumer Reports. You can go to kbb.com. Honestly, the thing I like to do when I'm looking at cars is just look and see what's for sale. And, and are there high mileage versions of those? You know, are for some reason, does so, no one seem to be selling a car with that, that kind of car? How come I can't find any of these cars over 100,000 miles? What, what does that mean? Well, maybe it's because they don't last over 100,000 miles. Uh, two, if you're buying something that isn't crazy, at least put 15% away for repairs. Mm. If you're buying a used car, there's, you know, the second you buy that car, unless it's a certified pre-owned car, 
basically you are on the hook for anything that happens. If you drive five feet away out of the driveway from the person you bought it from and it all falls apart, that person doesn't, in most places, owe you any money. In that situation, you want to have a little bit of money set aside for repairs. As somebody who's never purchased a car, what like what does that mean if you're buying a car but it doesn't have a title on, for the car? Like why is that a red flag? The only way in most states that you can prove that you own a car is having the title. It says I have this car. So if you want to get insurance for this car, if you want to sell this car to someone else, you have to have proof mm-hmm. that you own it, and that's a title. There are some exceptions to this in certain states with cars over 20 years, it's a, it's a little complex, but basically understand where this car came from, understand that this person has the documents and know that you are actually buying the car, that the person is signing a document that says this car is officially yours in exchange for money and do not give a person money until you see that title. Unless it's a dealer, a dealer, it's a little bit different, but um, if it's from an individual, definitely do that. Um, I would also say haggle in life. Bigger, The bigger the purchase, the more you're going to want to argue and you're going to want to get someone to give you a better deal. Mm-hmm. Assume that anyone who's trying to sell you a car has put a 10% premium on the price. Always haggle. The worst they can say is no. And, and it's important to have a poker face in these situations. If I love the car, I tell them I like it. If I like the car, I tell them maybe I want something else. So Always have to argue. Always have to haggle. Now, let's say you have a little bit of money you know, whether it's saved up, you've got money from your bar mitzvah, you know, whatever it is, you worked really hard and you think you can afford maybe with some help from your parents, a new car, but you really need a new car. In that situation, I would say get the most car that you can afford because in that situation, you're not really going to have to worry about a lot of maintenance items. I would also say, you know, there's sort of a quasi in between for people. There's certified pre-owned cars. So it's a car that still has a warranty. Maybe it's got 20 or 30,000 miles on it, but it's been looked over by a technician. And they've said, this car seems to be fine. We've addressed the major issues. Do your research. So when you budget, make sure you budget appropriately. If you have enough money to buy a new car and you don't really need a car, you just want a car, I don't really have a lot of advice for you because you are in a situation most teenagers are not going to be in (laughs) and you're probably... You're probably pretty set. So, you know, get what you want. All I would say is I would never buy a kid a new car that is worth more than thirty dollars or $35,000. First new cars, you're going to mess them up. You're going to scuff the wheels. You're going to get into a small fender bender. And you're going to feel a lot better if it's not a brand new Mercedes. Oh, that's for sure. Now, here's here's the my favorite quadrant, though. If you don't really need a car and you just want a car, put away a lot of extra money. 25%, I would put 25%. If you're spending $10,000, you have $10,000 for a car and you're going to buy something silly, yeah. don't spend more than $7,500 on it. Um, absolutely. It can be a little overwhelming because you already mentioned like research. You mentioned like evaluating the car. You mentioned like haggling, like there's a lot. So give us like the list of the steps in order. Like here's a nice clean list, like first this, then that, and put it in like order of what you would recommend and suggest. I was trying to buy a car and I do this myself. My first question is, what am I going to use this car for? Mm -hmm. Well, I know I'm going to take me and I want to take my three friends. I'm going to pick them up on the way and we're going to go to swim practice in the morning. Then I'm going to go off to college and I'm going to want to take my car with me. Okay, cool. I'm going to take all my stuff with me. So what I want is probably a crossover, a small sedan. Understand where you live. If you are in northern Minnesota and you get a lot of snow, I'm not saying you can't have a Dodge Challenger rear wheel drive car with a manual transmission, it might be a lot of fun. Uh, but if you don't, if you're not used to winter driving, you don't have a lot of experience doing it, you're not going to want to swap 
tires off and on cars all the time in winter, then maybe that's not a great choice because you do not live in an environment um, where you can drive that car 365 days a year. That eliminates 80% of the cars right there. But there's still a lot of cars. What's next? Okay, well, what can I afford? All right, I've got $15,000. Okay, good. I could, I've got $50,000 to spend. Let me go on cars.com, Craigslist, Facebook Marketplace. Let me find out what is in that price range. Let me narrow it down and let's see. Okay, I see there's a lot of cars. There's I could get you know a Nissan Rogue, a Ford Escape. I could get a Subaru Forester. Cool, great. Those are all great choices. Which one do I want? Okay, well, let me go to Consumer Reports, mm. KBB. Let me talk to somebody I know who has that car. Odds are you probably know somebody's mom or somebody's dad that has that car. And they can tell you, oh, this is a great, I, I love this car. It's been great for me. Or, oh, you know what? Actually, it, it eats gas. It's not very efficient. Mm. It's very expensive to run. Understand that the price of a car is also going to include tax title licensing. You know, you're going to have to get plates for it. You're going to have to do all those things. And that's, that's going to add on. If it's a $25,000 car, depending on the state and the region you're in and the city you're in, it could be another four or $5,000 on top of that. So when you budget, make sure you budget appropriately. Kind of final important step is finding that specific car then. Okay, I've narrowed it down to maybe I want a Subaru Forester. So I'm going to look and find at dealers on online. I'm going to find the Subaru Forester of my dreams. And I'm going to compare and see kind of a sense of what the price should be. And I'm going to look and see what I can afford. And I'm going to go test drive it. Like the first good step, especially with the cars, test driving a car doesn't mean you have to buy it. So if you want to see if you like a car, find one, especially a used car, go to a dealer lot who has one. Just show you, say you're interested, go for a test drive. You don't, even if you're going to buy it from somebody else, right. go for a test drive, find out like, oh, okay, I like this. And then you've got a baseline to work from. And it, a good thing about going to a dealer as well, if you have that option to test drive, is it's always going to be the highest price for that car. Almost always. Dealerships tend to charge a little bit higher for used cars because one, they've cleaned them up. Two, they've decided, is this a, is there something wrong with this car? So it has to usually meet a minimum standard. Um, and they'll also handle all the paperwork for you, which is also really nice. Um, and you have financing options. If you want to finance the car, you don't want to pay all at once. You also have that option. Right. Um, so you can kind of set a high price and say, okay, this is the high end of the market. I like this car. This is great. And I know it's going to probably be there and I can come back and buy it later. And then you can go to Craigslist. You can go to Facebook and you can see, okay, you know, here's one that's $4,000 less. Is it just as good of a car? Is it fine? Or do I get in it and it making funny noises in it? There's a reason why it's $4,000 left. And you just have to keep narrowing and narrowing it until you find the thing that feels like it's something you want. It seems like compared to everything you've seen is a fair price. And you're not worried it's going to explode on you in as much as you can know that. But funny sounds are usually a good indicator. And like, that's the thing. Never be afraid to walk away. The, the ultimate advice in any situation is feels wrong. Just walk away. You don't owe anyone anything until you sign that title. Yeah, so that's a good point because especially if you've gone so far, you're having conversation, you're asking questions, you test drive it, you now you feel like you have to buy it. But your point, like you don't, you don't don't allow anybody to pressure you to feel like you have to buy anything unless it feels right in your gut. I really like that advice. I think that's a blanket advice that could apply to a lot of other financial decisions that you're making. What are the other options if you are the kind of uh, person who's like, yeah, I need a car, but I don't have a lot of money and I can't find anything that makes me feel good about all the steps you listed at my budget. So I might need to do something else. Um, what are all the other options for paying for the car if they can't use just the cash that they have? You can consider going either to your bank or credit union and taking out a loan, which you'll probably have to get co-signed with the parent. 
Um, so you'll be taking out sort of a loan with their parent. They'd also be responsible for it ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can pay a down payment and then small amounts over time to pay off the car. Uh, as a young person, you will get a probably not great interest rate, uh, especially now. Um, so a credit union, if you can join a credit union or your family's part of a credit union is a really good way um, to start banking. Anyways, I highly recommend credit unions as banking options. I will say if you're thinking about going to college and you're doing loan applications and things like that, adding another loan on top is probably not a great idea. Um, so, you know, my best advice in that situation is if you, you don't really have to have the car right now is get a job, save, wait a year, hitch a ride, and then at least either finance it when you have a bigger down payment or wait until you can buy something you can afford. And also hit up family. Like there's often people have an aunt or an uncle who has that third old Buick. Uncle Pete's old Buick isn't cool, but some wheels are better than no wheels uh, for now. And you can always trade that car in for another car in the future. And have a True. Money. That's a good point. I think there's also just a lot of confusion around the price of the car. Cause like I've had teenagers ask me like, what's this like, MSRP and then it's a different price when you pay like what why is the pricing of the car like so complex it, you you go to the store and buy anything else and you see the price and that's what you pay but when it comes to cars it seems like that's not that's not the way it is with new cars yeah there's MSRP which is ma- manufactured suggested retail price that is the price that the manufacturer says this car should cost in almost no situation will you ever actually pay the suggested retail price, which is super weird. <laughs> and, and because the dealer is going to either want to make more money on that vehicle because it's a very hot, interesting, exciting car. And so people will charge more for that car. They will put in a market adjustment. They will do something to make it more expensive. So you end up paying above MSRP or you're in a different situation. It's a car that's not very popular. It's been sitting on the dealer lot for a while. It's taking up space they want to use for another car. So they'll actually sell it to you below MSRP. So that's for a new car. For a used car, there are really only three numbers that I would ever really care about. We're trying to figure out what is this car that I want going to cost. First is the Kelly Blue Book value. You go to kbb.com. Mm-hmm. You can type in what car it is, how many miles it has on it, its condition, its color. Does it have a CD player, or a car player, whatever. And it'll give you what the general range is for the price. So that's the best way to understand with the used car. What do we think it's worth? And that's based on a lot of data they get for car sales. The second level of information that I would look at then is, is compare it to like market prices. Well, look at, just look on Craigslist. Just go to Craigslist, type in the car, 2006 Subaru Forester, type in 2007, 2005, and you can kind of get sort of a range. The only important price really in this whole conversation and the whole experience of buying a car is what you can get someone to sell you the car for. Once you do all of your homework, this is the thing. Once you do all of your homework, stress about it, think about it before you buy the car, but also give yourself that honeymoon period. Give yourself that first drive and that first week of enjoying it and having fun. And ultimately, once you have the keys, you're going to feel great. Okay, you heard Matt. No matter what your situation is, there's a lot you can do to prepare for getting your first car. So here's my challenge to you. Use that needs versus wants matrix that Matt laid out for us. You could even set aside a few minutes to talk it out with your friends. Do you need a car or do you just want one? Are you set on a brand new car or can it be used? From there, start doing your research to figure out what kind of car would suit your life. You know, my dream car is a Lexus, but after doing my research and looking at my budget, 
I've decided that I want a certified pre-owned Kia Sorento in teal with brown interior leather seats. Now it's your turn. If you learned a lot listening to this interview, I know I did. Then let us know by rating and reviewing and make sure that you include your well-researched dream car. Catch you next time. Financially Inclined from Marketplace is hosted by me, Janely Espinal. Haley Hirschman is our senior producer. Our video editor is Mallory Brangen, which, by the way, if you didn't know, this is also a video podcast. You can check us out on YouTube. Engineering by Brian Allison. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcasts. Francesca Levy is the executive director. And Neil Scarborough is the general manager of Marketplace. Financially Inclined is funded in part by the Cy Sims Foundation, partnering with organizations and people working for a better and more just future since 1985. And special thanks to the Renzetta Family Charitable Fund and NextGen Personal Finance for continuing to support Marketplace in our work to make younger audiences smarter about the economy.